On this episode of the podcast, we are taking a gap week to learn of a refined game from a refined individual. Are we talking golf? We are talking tennis. Tennis of the foot. Tennis of the foot, as it's been called. Much like chicken of the sea. (laughs) (laughs) You have ten seconds to get in your guesses, and winner gets a big prize at the end of the episode. So, in the meantime... Recline that sofa and loosen that tie, because this is Mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a weekly podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Sweezy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. And I'm the ghost of Donald Rumsfeld. <gasps> oh, topical, edgy. <laughs> this is the content we're here for. What the listener's been asking. What they should be asking. Should they be asking? I get a DM every day. <laughs> Where's the edgy content? Well, here it every, is, baby. Everyone said we needed a fourth host. Yeah, and so we got one. <laughs> You're welcome. It is Gap Week here at the Mismanaged Podcast, which means we'll be hearing a tale of mismanagement from the world of soccer. Whoop, whoop, whoop. The tennis of the foot. The tennis of the tennis foot. Tennis of the foot? Someone did say that, didn't many, they? Many people are saying this. Mm-hmm. Many at lords least and ladies, dukes and duchesses. <laughs> one baron. Just one. Yep, just Can one. Can I get the baroness on board? Mm-mm. She's a wily one. Uh, however, since the bulk of our soccer knowledge is restricted to the realm of FIFA and the World Cup, we have decided to bring in an expert to learn us a thing or two about this complicated world. We've outsourced. Landon Donovan. Landon, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Alexi Lopez. Landon Donovan, honestly, everything I've heard, I've never met Landon Donovan, but everything I've heard about Landon Donovan from the people that I know who have like interacted with him are that he is like... Just like a the super most regular dude you will meet. <laughs> nice. He's like a very so. average, like colloquial or not colloquial. That's not the word. Pedestrian. Yeah, like like just just an average He's guy. A guy. Pretty Plebeian. pretty nice. Like just just a just a guy. He's one good fella. Yeah, he's a good guy. Kind of guy you could get a beer with. Mm. Similar. To our special guest, we are sitting right here. Now, you may know his voice, you may not, but here's his name. <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> he has one of those. He is our friend, our colleague, and the co-host of the Deadball Brothers podcast on the Blue Wire Network, Adam Snavely. Hey. The Adam Snavely. It is I, the Adam Snavely, mm-hmm. as I am known on the streets. The Ohio State University. Remember when they tried to um, copyright, trademark, like, trademark the? They mm-hmm. couldn't because of this man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing stopping him. Uh, but I let Megan the Stallion have it. Well, that's fair. Because well, I'm clearly, I'm clearly not yeah. the Stallion. Isn't that two E's though? It is two the, E's. Like, like in the uh, Stallion. Biblical. You're right. The biblical theme. Spiritual. (laughs) Indeed. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Welcome. Uh, We're going to talk about soccer. Ah, football. Ah, yes. Football. Someone had to say it. Tennis of the foot. Soccer. (laughs) Football. (laughs) Calcio. Honestly, I'm a a 
I'm a proponent of call it whatever you want. I don't really care. I'm don't just a troll. Handball. I'm just a troll. So if people are like, it's called football, not soccer on the internet, I'm going to like go after them for sure. being stupid. Yeah. Um, and I don't like the, the argument that like, well, Britain invented it and they call it football. So it's football because like... They also call the sidewalk the pavement, which doesn't make any <laughs> any sense. Which is just and, wrong. And so and so we're and it's not paved. It's, it, so so if if we're if we're talking about like where there's a sport in America that is more popular than soccer called football, so I'm just gonna call it soccer just for clarity's sake. And I don't I don't care what you think about that. Nice. And that's is the edge. The, the, the edge. I'm bringing it. I appreciate that about you. So, yeah, we're talking about soccer, and specifically, I thought I would talk about international soccer. Okay. Because there's a lot of tournaments happening this summer. Right now, we have the European Championship and the South American Championship, mm-hmm. the Copa America, that's happening right now. In a couple weeks, there's going to be the Gold Cup, which is the Championship of North America, which also includes Central America and the Caribbean. Uh, A little geopolitical (laughs) lesson for all of you that if you didn't know, your social studies teacher was lying to you when they said there was three countries in North America because (laughs) everybody considers Central America and the Caribbean to be part of North America. Okay, yeah, no, that actually checks out. See, on our our elementary school maps, they just make Mexico longer. (laughs) It just stretches a little bit more. It goes all the way down. Such a problem. Oh, man. Are we going to lose to Trinidad and Tobago? We are not because they are already eliminated from World Cup qualifying. They, oh, they lost right. to St. Kitts and Nevis. So we're losing to them. Wait. No, St. Kitts and Nevis got eliminated <laughs> in the next round. Trinidad oh. and Tobago had a historically bad qualifying campaign. Well, Incredible. You know, it's, soccer, as all things are, is a game of averages, I'd like to imagine. So if you go out there and you beat the United States, you have to go out there and lose just horribly to what I imagine is a country. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> Correct. You can confirm that, you at least. You can confirm. By Jove, you've struck it. You've hit it on the head. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking about some soccer. Uh, but this is also a timely story uh-huh. because there was a pretty surprising upset in one of these championships that just occurred. Now... When I talk to you about, I see your excited face, I see the tiger claws, yeah. you're ready to pounce. Yeah. When I talk to you about the best countries in, specifically men's soccer. Because mm-hmm. when we talk about women's soccer, then we're like entering the United States and Canada. It's a different ball, And right? a couple other countries that aren't necessarily as traditionally a powerhouse on the men's side of the ball. Um, so on specifically the men's side of soccer, what countries do you guys think are considered the best in the world. Germany, Spain. Germany, Spain. Great. Uh, England. France. France. Won the last World Cup and they're young. Yep. (laughs) This is true. England is kind of considered one of those big countries, but But also, it's it's always been like a big sham because they've only really won like one one thing. Has Netherlands always been good? The The Netherlands have been pretty good for a long time, but they also are kind of one of those teams that are like a little bit lacking in famous victories mm. in terms of actual like silverware. They need to get they need to get a World Cup or a European Championship here pretty soon mm. to really maintain that. But you did mention who we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Which is France. <gasps> because France Ooh. just lost to Switzerland, which was a pretty big upset. 
especially for the round of 16 and the players that France has. Yeah. Uh, and France is recognized, especially since the... They were a very good team in the 80s as well with Michel Platini, but um, in like the, the mid to late 90s is kind of when France really generated... They had a golden generation. They won a World Cup. They won a Euro. And they kind of entered this kind of like upper echelon of countries that are playing. Because not a lot of countries have won a World Cup. There's yeah, sure. only been eight, I think, eight countries that have won a World Cup ever. How many wow. World Cups have there been? There have been um, over 20. Dang. Um, Brazil's won five. Yeah, Brazil's yeah. won Bra- five. <laughs> Germany out. has won four. Yeah. Italy has won four. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, Italy, France, 06. That's what comes to my mind. That's the first World Cup I ever saw. Yep. Yes, same. Yep. Zidane. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about it. <laughs> yes. Uh, France and Uruguay both have two. Nice. And Argentina, I think, has two. Argentina has two or three. Yep. I can't remember. Um, it's and South America. Yes. <laughs> and England has one. So and bring them home. Well, they have the they have the token one. The, yeah. the token the token one that Without they won that, in England. It was a really <laughs> long time ago, though, right? 1966. Yeah. 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 Correct, Amundo. <laughs> a fair skip. Um, and the whole it's coming home thing is uh, kind of a reference to the fact that soccer was invented in England, even though historians <laughs> yeah. also were, say... They the heads of your enemies around. Uh, it was actually a pig bladder, but oh. yes, correct. Um, but also there's like some disagreement because predating what was kind of referred to as the origins of soccer in England. There was also a lot of kicking sports in China sure, that occurred sure. before that. So so there's there's a bunch of <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. But if we, like, trace it back, everything, China probably has yep. a, yep. most of everything. <laughs> most of history. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you got to stop at some point and be like, China, you have half of all things. <laughs> We're gonna the rest of the world rest. will divvy up the other half. Correct. <laughs> So this is kind of a timely story, given the rather shocking defeat of defending World Cup champions France by Sorry. Switzerland a couple like days a ago. Three one lead or something. Uh, it was. Was Doc Rivers coach? Yeah, yeah, it was. Three <laughs> one. It was. Three <laughs> one. It was correct. Uh, but if you know much about international soccer, which I don't know if you guys do or do oh, not, totally. I know the na- names of the nations. Oh well, good. So <laughs> I barely know that. <laughs> literally, at any point. If you have a question or don't know something that I reference, just uh-huh. just ask it. It'll be Our an educational. <laughs> it'll be an educational episode. No raising the hands. We'll have uh, bells. Hmm. Ding ding. I didn't bring a bell. Oh well, you don't get to ask a question. Yes. Oh. Send me an email and I'll ask it for you. Okay. But then we can't bully Westover. And I do know that the cornerstone of this podcast is bullying Westover. Thank well, you. Bullying in general, but Westover's <laughs> the easiest target. Yeah. So those who know things about international soccer will seem will will say that this sounds a little bit familiar about France. Every tournament they enter, it seems like they're as likely to get knocked out in the group stage as they are likely to win the whole thing. It seems like they're this ultimate all or nothing team. Mm-hmm. They always have enough talent to win everything. But they don't always have the coach or the personalities or or there's something that will go wrong kind of thing. Sure. So that's kind of the deal with France on the international stage. Um, this being a podcast about poor management decisions, mm-hmm. I'll let you guess which way the story will go. Ooh. Real well. Real 
horrible. Yep. So let's talk about a man named Raymond Domenech. I would love to. Yes. <laughs> Who, for our purposes, we will call Raymond Dominic because that is easier right, to Raymond, say. The Americanized. Yeah, and <laughs> my French sounds like a dog retching at the best of times, so that's going to be how it goes. So your French sounds German. Yes. <laughs> so, Raymond Dominic, he was a pretty okay player when he was a player. Uh, he carved out solid playing, uh, solid playing career for himself in France through the 70s and 80s. Uh, and even managed to get a handful of caps for France as well. A point of soccer knowledge and international appearance for your country's senior national team is called a cap. Cool. I was so. going to ask that. Yep. Just First question. I get a hat, actually. Yeah, you, every <laughs> single time. You got a hat. Carly Lloyd just got her 300th cap for the U.S. <laughs> so many hats. She has a house just dedicated which, to all her hats. Which is still about 50 less than the record holder for the most international caps, which is... Christine Lilly for the United States. That's oh, just a sidebar. Nice. That's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. All right. So I don't actually know why it's called Cap. I just know that it is. So there you go. <laughs> just accept it. That might be a good episode for my podcast, it actually. Is what it is. <laughs> anyway, Dominic wasn't an all-time great player by any means, but he was like pretty solid. Sure. After his playing days were done, he soon fell in with coaching and managing in soccer. As many do. He took a manager position at the club where he spent nearly a decade of his playing days, Lyon. 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 I feel like we have so many coaches that are like, they were average to <laughs> just above average players, yep. and then they move into management, and they're like, I got this. There is only one star player in any sport that I can think of that went into coaching and management and was amazing. At Michael Jordan. Larry Bird. <laughs> Steve Azerman. Oh, that's true, too. He's doing great. Well, not currently. No. Oh. That trade with well, he's Ronald. Well, the <laughs> trade with Ronald looks really good. This isn't what we're talking about. <laughs> Sorry. We invited Adam here for a reason. <laughs> to listen to us. <laughs> what? Straight to hockey. So, he took a manager position at Lyon, his old club. After a few solid but trophy-less seasons <laughs> with Lyon... <laughs> He moved on to coach the French under-21 team for a few years. Cool. Basically, every international side also has levels of youth international teams. academies. Yeah. Yeah. The future. The academies are for clubs. Okay. So clubs have academies where they basically run schools and also teach kids soccer um, in the hopes that they're creating professional players, which they often do. Mm -hmm. And then the youth sides function similarly to... I, I always describe it to people as, you know... LeBron James plays for the Lakers. But if and when the Olympics roll around, if he's good enough, he could get called to Team USA, and he can choose to go play for the USA. It's not that he's leaving the Lakers. Uh It's just an extra thing. Same thing happens with soccer. You play for your different club. If that's Manchester United or Chelsea, or if you're playing in Italy with Juventus or with Barcelona in Spain, Mm -hmm. that's your club. That's the person that you make your money with. But if you're good enough... You get called into international competition. Same things happens with kids in academies or that are even breaking through with professional clubs and their youth international sides. So Dominic was a youth coach for France, coaching the under-21 team. That U-21 team was, again, pretty decent, but also nothing crazy and didn't win much in the way of actual titles. They just were kind of there, plugging along. (laughs) Yeah, like you do. Yeah, as you do. And Dominic was basically a useful servant for the Federation. Um, <laughs> I'm I, here to help. Yeah. A good cog. 
I likened it to like a a double or triple A manager mm. that a big league organization would never ever bring up to the major leagues. Like you're, <laughs> like you're never going to be a head coach in the in like the big show kind of thing. But they're reliable and they've been around for a while. You so you keep them along for the ride because you'll know exactly what you get from him. Yeah. yeah, they're like that ninety year old you see that's like they've been coaching since the sixties. You're like, <laughs> how? It's like, well, he just comes with the place. He's just there. <laughs> that's kind of what Raymond Dominic was he was just kind of there nice then came euro 2004 when france were shocked in the quarterfinals getting knocked out by greece Ooh, wow nice in fairness to them everyone was shocked by greece that tournament greece won euro 2004 <laughs> wow. okay. it was one of the it's one kind of considered one of the biggest upset victories in a major tournament ever in sure. soccer i love a good upset um they basically played the most american version of the game where they <laughs> They defended almost all the time during their games, but they would put on two really fast wingers, and their striker was super tall. Nice and they Speed. and they and they so their wingers would get a counterattack, and they would just immediately cross the ball, and he would head it in, and that's how they scored almost all of their goals. Perfect. And then the rest of the game, they would just defend. Incredible. People were so upset when they won. They <laughs> called it the I most regressive like. version of the game. <laughs> that's how I feel like. Bill Belichick would coach if he was a soccer manager. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's slow and tedious. We're slow it down. We're just going to hammer yes. slowly. It's, that's what they did, and it worked. And it's not fun for anybody to watch. <laughs> yes, you'll get results. But we're exactly. going to win. It was fun for the Greeks, basically. <laughs> that was it. Um, the French still weren't pleased with losing to Greece. Makes Fair. sense. Understandable. Fair enough. They're a proud, proud and, organization uh, proud and country, and, and 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 a just a proud country. Have you ever yeah. talked to a, a French person people. about France? Yep. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> it's almost like they don't remember any war. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, manager of France at the time, Jacques Santini, he resigned after the tournament, leaving the post of manager of the senior French national team open. Um. Which was a pretty big deal because France had won a World Cup in 1998, and then they won the European Championship in 2000. So we're still, momentum. yeah, we're still not far removed from France being the best team in the world. Was he the manager when they won those things? I think Jacques Santini might have been. I'm not actually sure. That's fine. Um, I, I didn't look at that. So they needed to fill the position. A couple of names were discussed, including a guy named Jean Tigana, who actually had taken over at Lyon when Dominic left and almost immediately did better than him there. <laughs> uh, and then he went to a French team, uh, Monaco, and mm-hmm. won the French title. Nice. And then he went to England and got Fulham promoted to the Premier League. Hey, he's a winner. That's so, a move. So he's doing pretty well for himself. Uh, there was also uh, a younger guy, Laurent Blanc, who wasn't... Uh, hadn't had a major managing position at that, but he was more of a French legend when it came to being a player. Cool. He won the World Cup in 1998 as a player and the Euros in 2000 as a player. <laughs> you get whatever yes. job you want. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, work. yeah. Hey, can I work here? He'd be like, I kind of want to try this out. So he was he was kind of a big deal. He had over 100 appearances for France. He wow. did the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So many taps. He did the thing. Caps. <laughs> so many hats. Learning. France, for some reason, decided to go with Raymond Dominic for their senior team. Yes! <laughs> We've got all these good options, but I like him. He's put in his time. Uh, he did. Baby sat in a corner. <laughs> He's been here the longest. So here's a theory as to why. Okay. He paid them. While Dominic had been a youth coach for France for a long time, he had shepherded several legendary French players from the youth ranks into the senior team. Mm-hmm. Even though they hadn't won much with the youth teams, 
he was still helping develop people like Zinedine Zidane, like Thierry Henry. Mm. Like, we're talking players who got statues built of him. Yep. He was their youth coach. Given by their enemies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another theory I have (laughs) is that the French realized that their team at that moment was pretty lackluster. And we're hoping that Dominic could just see the team into the next World (laughs) Cup in 2006. And if it went poorly, you just sign someone else for the next World Cup cycle. They had a fall guy. Yeah. So everything in soccer, because all the major tournaments work on four-year cycles, basically, everything is almost always in terms of four years. Mm -hmm. You sign a contract usually for four years unless you're like an interim coach while they're looking for the permanent guy. So you get like a shot at the two major tournaments. Yes. And then if that goes badly, then you're off. You're out again. Then your contract's not. So we try something else. They didn't want to waste like a good manager on a poor squad. Yeah. Okay. So so it's like okay, we have a couple options, but we have this solid guy who has been around. He's we don't think he's like anything special, particularly, (laughs) but we just have two years for the World Cup. We've already gotten bounced from the European Championships. Let's sign him for a couple years, and see how it goes. If it doesn't go well, then we'll give. A like we'll go for a different coach and they'll have a full World Cup cycle to do something. Yep. So more time, all that stuff. That's that's the other theory that I kind of came up with. That makes sense to me. I like it better than the theory of he brought because it's like if that's the idea, let's go find LeBron James High School coach, <laughs> give him the reins of the USA. <laughs> so Dominic took over the team and they didn't look great. In fact, they barely made it into World Cup 06 in the first place. Nice. Can you imagine being a major, like one of those major countries in Europe and missing the World (laughs) Cup? I mean, ask uh, Italy in 2018. Because I know that we didn't make it in 2018, but neither did Italy. See, I Ah, stopped paying attention to the second word disqualified. Then we were out, we're like, well, the World Cup's out. I'm like, oh, well, World Cup got canceled? Weird. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) So they barely made it in. They had a really, really tough time qualifying, but they kind of edged in, skin into their teeth type stuff. Snuck on in there. And then something unexpected happened. France got to the World Cup. And made it all the way to the final. They remembered they were France. <laughs> Here's the thing. There was a bunch of older French stars that Dominic had either kind of convinced to play for him or even to get them to come out of international retirement to play for France. Um, Vive la France! People, people, like, people like Zidane, mm-hmm. who, had, who had previously said he wasn't going to play international soccer anymore. Mm-hmm. He got... Him to come back for the 06 tournament. People like Lillian Taram, Patrick Vieira, Claude Makalele, uh, they all turned back the clock, basically. <laughs> one last ride. It was one last jab. Michael's secret stuff. <laughs> Dominic's secret stuff. <laughs> With Zidane in particular, probably was the best player in that entire tournament. He had a couple of just ridiculous games. France obviously lost in the final after the infamous. <laughs> Headbutt debacle, which you've already mentioned. Stand by it. Yeah. (laughs) One of the most memorable moments in all of soccer history. And it sucks because if he was, like, the argument is there that if he was, he was a, like, wasn't he, like, a really good penalty kick taker? Yeah, he would have definitely taken one of France's penalties. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. He would have, like, nailed it. Yeah. So. It's devastating. Yeah. It's (laughs) It's devastating. It's all. It's all connected. They could have used him uh, last week. 
they, they sure could have. Still, that it was far more than anyone expected from France and Dominic that tournament <laughs> after the World Cup qualifying debacle. Or did they extend this guy? It seems oh, like he's no. doing good. Don't Why wouldn't you? He got to the finals. Listen, listen. The, the podcast is called Mismanaged. No, like, no. But he's doing so good so far. He had excluded many players kind of inexplicably <laughs> from his rosters and included much lesser known players in his roster selections because he found time travel and he would them all turn the clock back <laughs> and he would always like never explain his choices at all to the media or anything yes. and his yes. teams frequently had a lot of infighting that kind of marked his tenure and so it, there was like all these signs that were like this is not the right guy uh-huh but he got that second place finish but he's got results the result <laughs> Was undeniable. Yeah. Not Rookie. a trophy, but pretty done. Yeah, who cares about the memes? Sure, he gave a lot of love to the old players that definitely won't be here the next time around and scorned a lot of the young players that will be coming <laughs> up. So I'm sure it'll be fine. The result was undeniable. France had to reward him for exceeding all expectations. <laughs> yes, they did. Raymond Dominic is going to keep coaching France. That My was the decision man. that we came to. This is not a story of Dominic's success, however. <laughs> oh no! What? This is the story of how the shining pinnacle of Dominic's career screwed France over <laughs> and sent their international program into one of the most public tailspins the world has ever seen. Yes! Oh, hooray! As an international manager in Europe, you basically have two tournaments with lots of qualifying games in between. Yep. You have the World Cup and the Euros. Their cycles offset each other by two years. So two years after World Cup, you know you're going to be at a Euro. France's Euro 08, which happened two years after this second place finish in 06, uh-huh. got off to a rough start by getting drawn into the group of death. <gasps> classic. The group of death, a classic soccer thing. Mm-hmm. Because random draws are a thing. And you get seated, so groups of death theoretically shouldn't happen but then also you get some teams that underperform in qualifying that give them a lower seed and then groups of death happen so they got the group of death the one team that wasn't the good team in the group was romania but the other three teams yep (laughs) there's always one but the other three teams were france the netherlands and italy A rough group. Yeah. A rough group. Romania's sitting there going, well, at least we're here. The two teams from the World Cup, last World Cup final in the same Same group group for the Euros. Uh Uh-huh. And only two teams advance. Nice. So. (laughs) If I'm the Netherlands, I'm grabbing my (laughs) collar on my shirt. I'm like, oh my god. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So already a tough draw. A tough way to start the tournament. It was made tougher by Dominic's selections. For his player pool. Because, you see, Dominic was still trying to call up players that had publicly (laughs) stated they were retired from the international team. It's the same ones. (laughs) Run it back. Including Chelsea's Claude Makalele. Oh my gosh, they just keep getting older. More powerful, yes. (laughs) Dominic actually called Makalele into France's qualifying effort for the campaign, even though Makalele said he was done playing for France. (laughs) And what's more, FIFA rules state that for official FIFA competition, all clubs are obligated to release the players requested. So basically, Claude McAuley is saying, I want to be done. And Dominic is saying, you're not done. (laughs) I'm not finished with you. You can hold hostage, basically. Be like, hey, club. He he either plays for me or he doesn't play Play for anyone. Pulling him back in. 
Um, Chelsea coach at the time, Jose Mourinho, hey. took issue, saying Dominic treated Makalele like a slave. Quote, those were loaded words, considering yep. Makalele <laughs> is black. Yep. Oh boy. But Dominic didn't care. As This is another quote. This is one is from Raymond Dominic. As long as he is performing, he will play. I have the right to pick him. <laughs> oh my no! He is mine. <laughs> Faced with a domestic ban of all soccer activities, if he refused, Makalele eventually accepted the call-up. Sure, you kind of have Whoa, to. <laughs> that is great for morale. Yeah. <laughs> and once again, can I point out being one of the younger players who's on the cusp and being like, you are forcing this old man to play instead <laughs> yeah. of being a promising up-and-comer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's great for the locker in fairness, room. In fairness to Raymond Dominic, Claude Makalele is kind of regarded as one of the best midfielders to ever play. So you want him if you can. You want him if you can. He is he he revs like single handedly. He revolutionized the concept of a defensive midfielder, um, just with the amount of his work rate and how much ground he could cover. He did things that you weren't supposed to be able to do, and kind of paved the way for a lot of the formations that we see today that have only a single defensive midfielder. He kind of did that. Proud of him. Smart. He's like, I will cover <laughs> all of this section of the field. This however, pitch is mine. However, he's now well into his 30s, and it didn't really help. Because France played their opening game of the tournament by drawing 0-0 with Romania. Yes! The team that they're supposed to beat, they couldn't get a win against. Oh, go Romania. No. Romania said they're going, whoa! <laughs> and, in fact, the tournament was an unmitigated disaster for France. As they then lost 4-1 to the Netherlands Oof. and 2-0 to Italy. Not only did they not advance out of the group stage, they actually finished in last in their group behind Romania. <laughs> yes! Who managed to get a second draw against Italy to finish with two points to France's one. <laughs> Yay! Yikes. Well, Romania. it sounds like it was just a bad... It was a good year for Romania. They were just on, you know? They were there. It was, it was definitely draws. definitely a decent Romania year. <laughs> um, to complete the strangeness of the situation, minutes after France were eliminated from the competition, Dominic proposed to his girlfriend on live television. <laughs> Did she say no? Please say she said no. She said yes. The two are still ah, married. Ah, damn it. <laughs> now, no, good for their happiness. Well. <laughs> That's just romantic right there. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> In the throes of your loss and the burn down, he home. needed a win. <laughs> he needed a win. Really needed he a needed win. a win, and it must be said he got a win because they're still married. So yeah. you know what? Good well, for them. Good for them. I'm sorry. I <laughs> wish. <you'd say> that. <laughs> it's okay because more misfortune is coming as well. Ah, goody. So <laughs> this is more or less what France was expecting out of the 06 World Cup. Not the proposal part, but the not being very good. <laughs> We were waiting for you to get married. <laughs> it's like, oh, we would have played better if you had done this at the start. <laughs> they just got it two years later instead. And there were all sorts of rumors being lobbed around, uh, such as the idea that Dominic's player selections were actually influenced by astrology. And there cool. was a rumor. Nice. There was a rumor going around at one point that he dropped Arsenal midfielder Robert Pires from the France squad because Robert Pires was a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> Stars are right. Can't do it. Not tonight. You know, the it's stars. the most ridiculous reason I've ever heard, but it's up there. Dominic denied it, for what it's worth. Sure, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> of course you would. Uh, <laughs> Who but, would admit that? But at this point, this seems as good a time as ever to get rid of Dominic. 
Um, the team is in transition. Yep. They desperately need to move on from a bunch of old players at this point. As Austin has already pointed out, <laughs> he keeps trying to get players out of ret- retirement as opposed to blooding the young and the next generation no. that he has. Um, he's he's essentially wasting the prime years of Thierry Henry. Yep. Classic. Rough. Um, so, Dominic, it's, it's just a good time. It's a good time to it's get rid of him. Time. Get new blood in there to manage. Yep. Let's just, let's just let's just get rid of him. It's it'll be done. But no. That is exactly not what France did. <gasps> yes. They <laughs> They looked at barely making it into the 2006 World Cup, then finishing behind Romania in the 2008 Euro and said, "You know what? Let's ride it on for for a couple more years. Let's Woo! double down, baby." Seems like a good plan. Third so tries the char. Ride the lightning. Yep. <laughs> Dominic's France again Barely qualified for the World Cup by the thinnest of margins. That's all I need. Dropping results in qualifying <laughs> to titans like Austria, uh-huh. Romania again. Yep. Nice. Romania's still got their number. And Whoa. Serbia. Mm. Mm. Nice. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so I'm saying there's civil unrest. <laughs> oh! Edgy! Sorry. In the end, they had to win a playoff match series against the Republic of Ireland to make it into the World Cup. It was a home and home, so one game in Ireland, one game in France. Uh-huh. Total score wins. So yeah. wow. the first game ended one nothing in Ireland to France. So France goes into the second game with a 1-0 lead, basically. Nice. Mm-hmm. In the return leg in Paris, the Republic of Ireland ties the game in the second half. It's <laughs> 1-1. France hasn't been able to score. It looks like it's heading to extra time. With the series tied at 1-1, French legend Thierry Henry received the ball along Ireland's end line. And then, clear as day... He bats the ball twice with his hand in order to prevent it from going out of bounds. Cool. Nice. Soccer note, not allowed. Not <laughs> allowed to do that. Only a maritime. Yeah. It's fine. The referee did not call anything. He oh. was French. Henri crossed the ball into the box for teammates William for teammate William Gallas to score, sending France to the World Cup. To this day, Irish fans are livid about this game. <laughs> if you meet an Irish person ever and you want to piss them off, mention this game. Mention Henri and they will rage. I absolutely guarantee it. A hundred percent. I would love to watch that. That's awesome. That's another soccer secret for you. If you want to make an soccer Irish person secrets. mad. The soccer more secret. you know. So people back in France probably weren't thrilled to hear. Oh, wait. Skip to section. Rewind. Reverse, reverse. So, France limped into the World Cup again. And Dominic made his customary weird inclusions and exclusions with his roster selection (laughs) when it got time to the World Cup. But this is still France we're talking about. Sure. He still had Henri. He had players like Frank Ribéry, like Manchester United's Patrice Evra, Mm -hmm. uh, journeyman legend Jabril Cissé, he has a ton of great players. So much talent. Got the talent. Yes. And this time, France were in a group with South Africa, cool. Mexico, nice. and Uruguay. Okay. There is no group of death to hide behind. <laughs> France expects results here. Yeah. Do or die. People back in France probably weren't thrilled to hear that the first fight between players and coach happened a day before they even started playing. Hooray! Yes. <laughs> 
Florent Maluda got into an argument with Dominic that reportedly resulted in the team's captain, Patrice Evra, needing to hold Maluda back because he was trying to punch Dominic. <laughs> we love that. That's he doesn't exa- need his hands. It's that's, fine. That's exactly what you want to hear the day before your World <laughs> uh, Cup starts. That is just... <clears throat> we love that. <laughs> We've heard that so many times on this podcast. Physical <laughs> violence between players and coaches. <laughs> and coaches. Um, Dominic responded by benching Maluda for the first match. <laughs> Their first game against Uruguay was a dull one with Uruguay letting France have the ball and just focusing on defense, probably because Thierry friggin' Henri was on the other team. It's understandable. The French were easily frustrated by their inability to break Uruguay down, and at one point, Dominic actually walked out onto the field <laughs> to try to calm down one of his midfielders, uh, Jeremy Toulalon, after he had received a card. Toulalon. The gang, Toulalon. I, I saw that name and was like, wow, that's a, such a French name. It is. Toulalon. It's great. Uh, the game ended 0-0. Beautiful. France really, really could have used a faster, more clever threat than what they had on the field which normally would have been provided by Florent Maluda, who Dominic did not bring in. He kept uh, him bench sure, the whole yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, great decisions. I don't question <laughs> any of this. Keep those lights rested for the next game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The alarm bells started ringing back home. Notably, Zinedine Zidane, the hero of Dominic's signature tournament in 2006, even uh-huh. though he was also kind of the villain. Yep. It's a complicated history. <laughs> it's a <high> hero. <laughs> said publicly that he thought Dominic had already lost the team and that he was, quote, not a coach. <laughs> it's the one game in! <laughs> Already the cards are starting to fall. Uh, uh-huh. The French delegation had been largely kept from the press during the run-up to the tournament, which was strange in and of itself for the stature of the French team, and veteran defender William Gallus refused to speak at all to the press in protest of one of Dominic's decisions, which he wouldn't say what it was, <laughs> It was later revealed to be uh, Dominic making Patrice ever the captain instead of Gallus. Uh, yeah, things are uh, things are not good. Oh, I'm the captain now. Yes, yes. Uh, things were unraveling steadily for France, but don't worry, it got way worse. Hooray! <laughs> yes. France played their second game against Mexico, who inhabit kind of a similar place as the U.S. men's team in the world game. Mm. A little bit ahead of the men's team, usually, probably, yeah. but... They're always this kind of unknown team, if you're a big European team, where it's like, these guys can pull an upset if you're not careful. Yeah. Which is, which I think the Me- Mexico and the U.S. kind of both fill that, that mm-hmm. role. Like High-end spoiler. Yeah, like, these people, they, they're not favorites, they're not going to win the tournament. But they can they can beat anybody mm-hmm. on on a... Yeah, it's an, if any, everything goes perfectly. It's a, they have a great day <laughs> yeah. if somebody slips up. It it's very much an any given Sunday type of deal. Yep. Shout out to Al Pacino. <laughs> One step too far or too short, you don't quite catch it. That's my Al Pacino impression. It was uh, better. No, wasn't yeah, no, nice. it's better than anybody else on this podcast. It's better than uh, the uh, uh, Dominique's management right now. All right, all right, we're not doing yes. this. <laughs> um, so. They're always kind of this weird threat to upset you, but France should win this game. Yes. France drifted listlessly throughout the game, to the point (laughs) where it wasn't even a surprise when Mexico came out of the halftime break to score two goals on them and win. (laughs) Dominic subbed out striker Nicolas Anelka at halftime. And reportedly, when he told the striker this would be happening, Anelka told him, Do you swear on this podcast? 
Yes, yeah. go for it. Anelka told Dominic allegedly, "Quote, go fuck yourself, you dirty son of a bitch." <laughs> yeah. I mean, we basically only swear in quotes on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not swearing if it's a quote. It's true. <laughs> that's what I learned in journalism class. Yeah, that's what I learned in the Bible. <laughs> that's right. They're lamentations. Patrice Evra later admitted that a fight between the two took place, but he denied that Anelka said those words. And I'm like, okay. Sure. All right. Sure, buddy. <laughs> um, then he claimed that the only people who could know about that were on the French team meaning players were leaking things to the press. Uh, J'accuse again! J'accuse! It's a legitimate J'accuse! <laughs> he called those players traitors and claimed, oh, no. and claimed they only wanted to unsettle the team for selfish reasons, which, again, was probably true. <laughs> yeah. no, no one's having a good time. No, little column A, nope. little column B, we're just upset here. The president of the French Football Association called Anelka and told him he had to apologize to Dominic, and Anelka refused to do so. (laughs) He's a grown man. I refuse! In the midst of all this, there were also reports that a group of veteran players, including Henri, Evra, Gallus, and Frank Ribéry, uh, with input, allegedly from the retired Zidane, that they were strong-arming Dominic into changing his plans and formations, instructing him (laughs) who he should be playing, and telling him to drop other players from his starting lineups. The, play- the coaches yes, now. The players have become the coach. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Amazing. <laughs> it was the Anelka saga, however, that did Dominic in finally. After Anelka refused to apologize for suggesting Dominic's mother and father were not lawfully married, <laughs> and that Dominic should engage in some activities with himself, <laughs> Dominic told Anelka to pack his bags and fly back to France. He was done for the tournament. Anelka left. But the following training session <laughs> revealed the extent to which Dominic lost his team. The training session, which was open to the public, began with players signing autographs for fans, which Uh was pretty standard, usual, that had come out to watch. Then, Patrice Ever got into a very public fight with one of the French assistant (laughs) coaches, and he, with the team following him, refused to train for Dominic, and in fact, they all marched back off the field and onto the team bus, drawing the curtains on the bus shut, after several minutes, the team emerged to come back and give a handwritten letter to Dominic, <laughs> who was then obliged to read it out loud <laughs> to the press and fans in attendance. Amazing. The letter read as follows. All of the players, without exception, want to declare their opposition to the decision taken by the FFF, which is the France Football Association, to exclude Nicolas Anelka from the squad. At the request of the squad, the player in question attempted to have dialogue, but his approach was ignored. The French team hammered home just how little they cared about performing for Dominic in their final group game. They still, they've tied their first game and lost their second game, but they can still get into the knockouts. Yeah, there's still a chance. At this this point. This is a tenuous situation. Yes. (laughs) Their final game was against South Africa. Woo! Who have, the, who have the distinction of being literally the only hosts in World Cup history to not make it out of the group stage. <laughs> oh, no. They, they were loud. not good. <laughs> South Africa was basically chosen because Africa had never... No 
country in Africa had ever hosted the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And so it was a we're like a soccer for all moment in addition to a lot of bribery that definitely happened. Sure, sure. Yeah. Because you know. oh, it's FIFA. Classic. Um I mean, you don't draw Qatar without <laughs> <laughs> doing a little corruption. <laughs> and and how. But like even even when they took the the World Cup to the US in 1994 the US somehow managed to make it out of the group stage and into the knockout round even when they went to Japan and South Korea who have equally like as a young like soccer history like soccer being popular in mm-hmm. their country specifically Japan mm-hmm. Japan and South Korea made it out of their groups in 2002 South Africa only team only team that did not make it out of the group as the host nation. That did not stop South Africa from beating France. <laughs> nice. <laughs> A team with World Cup winners on the team. France. They had just finished second in the previous World Cup. Again, France. Yep. Lost to South Africa 2-1. to one. <laughs> French attacker Johan Gorkov uh, received a red card in the 25th minute. Wow. And South Africa's two first half goals proved far too much for a thoroughly disgruntled French side <laughs> to overcome. They bowed out of the tournament with one point. Nice. The draw they got with Uruguay in the opening match. The only teams that finished with less points than France that tournament were Cameroon and North Korea. <laughs> oh, my oh I remember that, because North Korea was in the group of death, and they're like, all four of the group of death. North Korea just because literally. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but true. <laughs> oh, no. Interestingly, this is just a fun fact. It has nothing to do with France. Uruguay got all the way to the semifinals of that competition cool. and finished fourth place at that World Cup. Largely thanks to a quarterfinal match in which Uruguay striker Luis Suarez. Bite. Is this the bite? This isn't no. the bite. This is a, di- this is a different like controversy. Bite he does it's, like to bite. He does like to bite. It's a different controversy. Uh, Uruguay striker Luis Suarez made a diving save in his own net with his hand in extra time oh, right. to prevent a goal, was red carded for it, only for Ghana, who they were playing, to miss their subsequent penalty. The game then finished tied, and Uruguay won it in penalties. No, yeah. that's such a bummer. But also... What a great move. Kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, you're either guaran- they're either guaranteed to score, and you guys will lose, or and just, which means you won't be playing the next game anyway, or you take the red card and... Give him a chance. Give him a chance. And it, that ball would have gone in if he hadn't done it. Oh, yeah. No, so, I'm remembering it now that you're saying about it. Guaranteed. So, hey... Uh, for the Raymond Dominic had already announced that the 2010 World Cup would be his last before stepping down before the tournament. Smart. But with how it went, it felt like the French players still managed to find a way to fire him. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Most recently, Dominic was hired by French first division side Nantes in December of 2020. Literally his first job since the French World Cup debacle wow. in 2010. He didn't coach for a decade. And in Maybe December... Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, that always works. And then, in December, not signed him. He was the club's manager for eight games. Nice. And during those eight games, they won zero times. <laughs> he was fired in February. Yeah, it was either going to be they won all eight or they lost or, all eight. He was fired in February of this year and not finished the season third to last. Beautiful. Wow. And that is the saga of Raymond Domenech. I and love. Oh. the French 2010 World Cup from hell. 
Some sources, uh, Dan Davis for these football times, the Associated Press, BBC Sport, Mike McGuire for goal, and Robin Berner for goal. Nice. Beautiful. What a drama that Ooh. Europe just bring, <laughs> uh, Europe. <laughs> they just bring an extra little something to the drama of mismanagement, don't they? Mm, they've had longer practice at it. Ooh, bring me back and I'll tell you guys all about Chivas USA and oh. some some American drama. We love that as well. <laughs> and we will for sure be having another gap. With we'll have to look at the analytics, though, see how this episode does. Oh, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, then we'll let you know. Yeah, you need us. <laughs> hey, 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 Snavely's urn, okay? Uh, oh, you know what? No, I'm proud that it's catching up. All families. It's been a while. <laughs> Uh, normally, this would be the part of the podcast where we'd offer up our advice to those GMs who we believe need our help to succeed. Uh, but once again, we don't really know all that much about <laughs> the world of soccer management. Couldn't name a single GM. Yeah, and also it's just so complex with the loans. and so- I'm sure it's not as complex, but it's just different terminology, and you can... I won't work to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a loan is literally what it sounds like. You send a player to another team, and then... For a, for, an ex- for, for a set period of time. It's not, usually it's not even for money. Oh, nice. And then they return him to you. And usually it's a mechanism for if you have a player with promise, but he's not good enough to play for your team yet, yeah. you send him to a lesser team so he gets real game experience. So time. And then he comes back. Reverse 10-day contract. A little bit. Kind of. Um, but yeah. So instead of spending time trying to bumble around and make stuff up, um, we're just going to not. We're just okay. going to skip that. Yeah. That sounds good um, And just let the uh, story... <laughs> this episode's Adam going long anyway. Yeah, we're just going to let the story that Adam brought us speak for itself. It was beautiful. Just let it sit there. It was silly. And now your GM moves can be saved for next episode. Exactly. <laughs> when we actually put in the work. But that is the pod. If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please remember to give us a like or a follow. Maybe even leave a review. Yeah, Ooh, leave a review if you liked Adam. Yeah. yeah. Only if you liked Adam, though. If you liked it, but like didn't care for Adam, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. You're not the kind of person we want. Um, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to check out Adam's podcast. Once again, Dead Ball Brothers. Dead Ball Brothers. Part of the Blue Wire Network. They taught, He and his brother, Drew, talk about soccer. And um, weird, specifically weird and funny soccer history that's yeah. like kind of forgotten in large parts. I always take a portion out of the mm-hmm. beginning, talk about um, current events happening in the bit, soccer yeah. world, but it, you come for the silliness and wildness and weirdness of those soccer stories. Some of them are just purely bizarre. But, in the words of the Brazil star Ronaldo, in reference to that French victory in the 1998 World Cup final, quote, we lost because we didn't win, unquote. Thanks for listening, and remember, this was Mismanaged.